0: Welcome to Hello from the Pluriverse, a podcast about sharing the stories of designers and design thinkers from different backgrounds around the world. I'm Leslie anne Noel, a designer from Trinidad and Tobago and a professor of practice at Tulane University in New Orleans. The name of our podcast is a reference to Designs for the Pluriverse by Arturo Escobar. In our podcast, we explore the stories of designers from many different countries, women designers, designers of color, and designers from the LGBTQI community. In our interviews, we explore how place and identity affect their work, what they say about design, design thinking, and social innovation, and what advice they would give to non-designers who are using design methods. We'll continue to share more stories throughout the series about designers from many different worlds, from our little corner of the world at the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University in New Orleans. We hope you...
1: Welcome to the Hello from the Pluriverse podcast sponsored by the Phyllis M. Taylor Center for Social Innovation and Design Thinking at Tulane University, where we discuss the work of different designers and design thinking practices. My name is Michaeline Engelmeyer and I'm a first year student in the Master of Public Health Nutrition Program here at Tulane. I'm a Design Thinking Graduate Assistant working at the Taylor Center and I'm here today with co-host Natalie. Natalie, do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, so hi, my name is Natalie Hudnick. I'm in my second year in the Master of Public Health and Maternal and Child Health Program here at Tulane School of Public Health and Tropical Medicine. And I'm also a design thinking graduate assistant working at the Taylor Center. I'm originally from outside St. Louis, Missouri, and I have a bachelor's degree in cultural anthropology. And today we are going to be listening in on the interview of Michelle Washington. Michelle Washington is a user-centered designer based in New York City. She has an MS in communication and design from the Pratt Institute and an MFA in design criticism from the School of Visual. Currently, Ms. Washington teaches design at the Fashion Institute of Technology, also known as FIT, in New York City. Her latest design interests include peer research, strategic planning, and branding. Michelle works with numerous nonprofit organizations, cultural institutions, and startup companies to refine strategic plans, revamp websites, and or develop products.
1: This interview was originally recorded in fall 2019. Natalie and I are here today to hear what Michelle has to say about her approach to design thinking. After the recording, we'll be here to discuss our thoughts and what we learned and hopefully spark some discussion for our listeners. Let's take a listen.
3: General background I started out working in design. I worked primarily with newspapers, magazines, and books and publishing, and then segwayed into working with cultural institutions and nonprofit groups. Um, I had a studio space in Dumbo for a number of years, and I've lived in five or six different cities uh, Chicago, Minneapolis, Norwalk, Connecticut, New Jersey, and uh, back and forth in New York like different times. Mm -hmm. I also teach part-time in the Graduate uh, Exhibition and Experience Program at FIT in New York City. Mm -hmm. And we're one of about three um, programs that offer interpretive exhibitions, pop-ups, retail, brand acceleration, events, um, trade shows. So it's a a lot that we do under one roof with that um right now more of my work is in design research and strategy and branding where i work more with nonprofits and um, cultural institutions and startups um so so it varies like it may be just pure research that i'm doing and or it may be research and strategy and branding that i do so it could be a website it could be developing a strategic plan it could be uh, product development, um, or sometimes it's just, just like someone hires you to work on a project and you're part of a team and you just have no idea what the project's going to be or where it's going to go. Yeah, we talk about it. So. Yeah, a lot of times clients have you work on a project and you know they're clueless and you're clueless and um, everybody makes suggestions and they tell you it's going to be two months but a two month project always segues into like four or five months. I have this whole thought around um, design thinking and human centered design Mm -hmm. as a woman and as a woman of color that I really feel that some of the principles or theories behind it don't necessarily address me or other people of color all the time. Um, I, I tend to think about things from the standpoint of what if, how come, and why. A lot of times, I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that there's a way that there are certain issues that I would be able to address as a woman that maybe a man could not address And there's certain issues that I could like address as a black woman um, or middle aged black woman that someone else may not address, even if they're black. Maybe a younger person may not have those skills. Um, So I I think those are things, different things that, that you bring to the table because you have your own cultural innate and ethnic experiences that provide a different framework and lens it may you know it's like you have to have different voices right and those what if and how come voices come into play with people that come from like other backgrounds and other areas because you're going to look at something different like I have friends that are um, from Mexico, they would look at something totally different than I would um, based on their experiences or something that they might know that I have no clues about. I often question like, what does design mean anymore? It's not just about problem solving. I, I, I guess for me, I look at design thinking about you're creating like, um, uh, solutions, and ideas and concepts and modules and frameworks for resolving ideas uh, for products and services in order to be able to move forth and to set up systems. And so I feel that um, to me, that's what I look at design thinking as. Mm -hmm. And I think, as I said before, I like to think along the lines that if I'm, like some of the work I do involves mass incarceration, so there may be a different mindset that I would have to take with um, attacking a project that deals with mass incarceration. If I'm talking about developing a workshop and I'm teaching people in a workshop um, how to go in and interface with someone that's, in, that's a juvenile defender, because um, that's a teenager, like things that you can say that you can't say and how you might approach them. Would be totally different than if I went in and I'm dealing with adults in a situation, being mindful of their situation, their background, and who they are, and how much I could bring and how much they could bring. I, I, you know, I, th- I think about design thinking as you know your ability to listen to the other side as well. I think it's it's a good field because there's a lot of growth in room. Um, to apply what you're going to learn. But I also think um, there's a lot of stuff online. And I think that are these templates and frameworks. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes it's too much. Um, and that it's still about maybe narrowing down your reading and looking at um, how you yourself could come up with different um, research models and methods that work for what area you want to work in so if you're working with little children how would you develop like some sort of methods that would help you work with little children versus if you're working with like seniors or if you're working with people that are terminally ill or people that are mentally ill in in those cases are you doing research in those areas and maybe it's not working with the people that have those conditions maybe is that you're going into a hospital and you're observing and looking at um, how a hospital could build like more of a holistic environment to better serve like not just the patients but the people that work in there right. i when i was living in chicago um back in the early 90s um I had friends that worked for the Doblin Group, and that was really probably the first time that I really became acquainted with um, design thinking. And I, I know that a lot of people give um, credit to IDEO um, for coming up with all of this, but I, I like to think that the Doblin Group was doing this even if they didn't name it. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the 90s and probably a little bit even before the 90s. But I just remember like they had uh, somewhat of a mantra or philosophy of how they work. And I actually still see a few people that here in New York City, that worked at the Doblin Group, and we sort of talk about it because their whole premise was like, you know, just because someone asks for a problem or a situation to be redesigned or reframed, they wouldn't just do it without going in and doing some research and identifying what were the ish- what were the goals, what were what are the issues, and what do what are the um, stakeholders looking at what are the employees looking at what are their customers or the people that use this product or service looking at so they had a, a really distinctive um process and method of how they worked with their um client base which i always found very interesting mm-hmm. and like- it took took me a little while to get into like using it but once i really started thinking about ways of using it, even if I never talked to clients about it, it was like, I always knew like, okay, you need to research and figure out the client as well as who you're creating this product or this service for uh, beyond what that client would like tell you. I I, I like an intro process and sometimes I like to think that my process could be a circle in a circle. <laughs> Um, or that it could be cross crosshatch where it goes in different directions. I like to look at something and maybe come up with a solution and then look at it and see, oh, is that going to work? And then <clears throat> maybe I'll come back and say, no, let's like try this. Um, mm-hmm. So I have two masters. So my first master's in communication design from Pratt. And my second master's is in um, design criticism from SVA, the School of Visual Arts in New York City. Mm -hmm. I would probably say more came from um, working. Some came from working on my own, living in Chicago, learning some things on my own, reading and talking to people and going to workshops. And then when I was in graduate school the second time at SVA, that's when I got more entrenched in like design thinking. And I took some courses and some workshops that really helped shape it. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if I have a traditional model or mode of looking at things the way maybe some other people might have based on like courses they have taken. Mm -hmm. But I like to think that I could tackle issues (laughs) almost the same way, even if it's a little bit more organic. So, how would you say you differ? Um, I think that sometimes my style may be a little bit more organic, um, where I may vary and switch midstream. So you asked me about being intro. intro I kind of think like um, you have a bunch of ideas, you throw them up on the wall, you see what sticks and what doesn't stick and then you work on two or three and you prototype them out and or test them out or talk them out, and if they're not working, then you go back in and start doing more. Yeah, I think you have to definitely be open-minded. I think if you're not gonna be open-minded, I think you lock yourself down Um, where um, you're not willing to be more expansive. It's like there's no one cookie-cutter way of building a brand necessarily. Um, that you may have to add something or take away something. So that, you know, I look at design thinking as a system. And um, within that system, there's parts that you will keep and there's parts that you won't keep based on the project that you're working on. I mean, of course, you're gonna start out with your research and identifying your goals. And that research could be like just the basic research to understand who and what you're doing. And much like what you're doing, it's like, you know, you're coming out and you're asking questions after that. You know, it's changed so much that I, I feel now that, Um, not just to look at the school that you're going to go to but to look at who's teaching there the Uh, type of work that they're doing the the environment I mean some people like big schools, some people like smaller schools I'm one of these people that I feel like students no matter what you're going to um, venture into with the design thinking or design that taking classes in the humanities um, like writing history and also taking like some anthro and ethnography classes and even classes that are in public speaking i mean taking classes outside of your major like even if it's a film a film class or video class because you know, you might decide like part of what you end up doing is that it all it deals with um, video going out and videotaping people as part of your interview. So process because uh, there's a there's a process called video photo voicing where you can do videos and give people like little disposable cameras or digital cameras to like document. Um, their group activities or you know like we're having somebody do a photo diary that's another thing to think about and you know there's that visual documentation and you know like I I guess because of my um, design background I mm-hmm. like doing um, uh, storyboards right. and we didn't I do, yeah and which actually maps out like the um, flow of how people are like utilizing a service, or you could even do a storyboard that actually maps out like your interview process. Um, like someone could talk to you about what they do, like um, on a job or like for a workshop. Like once I was, we were interviewing people that were facilitators for a variety of workshops. So we just, I just created a storyboard of the entire scenario and the client loved it because they said oh I never envisioned uh, this is what uh, our workshops were like and sometimes just for people to see that visual aspect really helps.
1: Thank you all so much for listening along with us. Now we're just going to talk a little bit about our takeaways from the interview. Um, Natalie, how did you feel like place and identity impacted Michelle's work?
2: Yeah, Michelle talked about how her identity is a woman and a woman of color is not always interested in the theories and principles of design. And to focus in on her identity, and the identity of others, she really uses more user and human centered design work. And Michelle consistently seemed to incorporate the experience of others and the voices of others to make sure that whatever project she may be working on is representative of them.
1: What about you? Yeah, she kind of started Michelle started her interview talking about how she has moved around a lot and has worked in design in five or six different cities and I think the significance of this really helped to shape her cultural perspective. You know she talks a lot about the importance of perspective and using the lived experience to inform comprehensive solutions and ideas and, you know, for example, she talks about having friends in New Mexico, who could potentially offer a perspective that she never could because she doesn't share in that lived experience. So I think the fact that Michelle has known and lived in so many cities is important in the work she does as a designer.
2: Yeah, that's a great point that I didn't really think about before when I was listening to her interview. Um, Michaeline, what did you learn from them about from Michelle about design, design thinking, and social innovation?
1: Uh, well, kind of like what you were just talking about. um it was really interesting to hear Michelle explain her work from a human centered design perspective and that, As a woman of color, she doesn't think the principles and theories behind design always um, necessarily address the needs for other people of differing identities. So she talks about how, as a woman, there are certain issues that a man couldn't address, and that as a middle-aged Black woman, she can provide a valuable perspective that nobody other than someone who holds those identities could provide. So my takeaway from this was that in the field of design, representation definitely matters if you want to design comprehensive solutions. What about you?
2: Yeah, most definitely. Um, for me, um, it was more specific to design thinking, Michelle looks at design thinking as a system rather than a process. And talked about how the project you are working on dictates what parts of the system you're going to use. And I think this this outlook using this type of thinking could really be applied to other fields. I think systems thinking is such a great concept in theory and looking at design thinking as a system makes it a little bit more
1: understandable in how to apply it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We're actually talking about systems thinking in one of my classes uh, right now. So very topical. Um, So we both are not formal designers. Um, So what advice did you take away from this episode for non designers who are using design methods?
2: Yeah, the biggest piece of advice that I took away from Michelle was that you have to be able to listen and actively listen. If you are wanting to make it an, an impactful solution, whatever that solution may be for the project you are working on. She has said that design thinking is your ability to listen to the other side. And I think that is just so important because if you don't listen, actively listen, you won't really understand your client or your collaborator and what
1: their needs or wants are. What about you? yeah that's such an interesting point um for me it was that design isn't just about problem solving ultimately we're looking to you know generate solutions in order to be able to move forward as a society and set up systems that benefit everybody so we should bear that in mind as we design because we're not problem solving for the sake of problem solving we're problem solving for the sake of people
2: yeah that's a good that's a good point Michaeline. Uh, Was there anything Michelle said that surprised you, that you didn't agree with, or that inspired you?
1: I loved Michelle's example about working with people of certain populations. For example, like she mentioned those who are terminally ill. So she explains that if you're researching how to address a challenge, maybe you're not necessarily working directly with people who have those conditions, but you're going into a hospital and observing how the hospital could build a more holistic and healing environment that... Serves that population and their loved ones, as well as the people who care for them. So it's just really inspiring to hear this perspective because I feel like especially in you know public health, um, some issues can feel so daunting that we just want to throw up our hands and give up because we can't solve the problem. You know, in quotations, uh, the problem in this case being the illness. But we can design solutions to ease the burden of these things or to improve quality of life. So you can still make meaningful change even if it doesn't feel like you're solving the problem directly. Um, was there anything that you were surprised or inspired by? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was really beautiful, Michaelene. Uh, <laughs> one thing that uh, I think I was inspired by
2: was that when Michelle was talking about her advice for students who want to pur- pursue design or use design in their careers and their lives, she mentioned taking classes outside your major, specifically humanities classes. And I just really love this thought because I was a like, I took a lot of humanities classes. I have a degree in anthropology, and I just think more people in general should be taking one or two classes in the humanities because they are so important. I mean, how else can we learn about other perspectives, about other cultures, ideas, and learn just how to be open to the human experience and how different it is for everyone. Empathy is so important in design and design thinking, and the humanities can play a great part in helping students work on their empathy skills.
1: Oh my gosh, that's such a good point. I feel like in school, we can get so laser focused on our own fields that we forget that other things exist. So I love that advice to just take a class like outside your major to broaden your worldview. Um, so was there anything from this interview that you feel like you wanted to learn more about? Or, you know, if you could ask Michelle another question, what would it be?
2: Yeah, I would have liked to hear more about of Michelle's more specific projects and the ones that were the most impactful to her. I think this could open up more dialogue about using design thinking and what we learn from it and what the benefits are to specific projects. What about you?
1: Uh, I think I would ask Michelle what specific advice she would offer us to future public health practitioners and um, how we can make sure that people with different lived experiences have a seat at the table.
0: We hope you enjoyed this interview from our Hello from the Pluriverse series. A special thank you to Arturo Escobar, the author of Designs for the Pluriverse, for opening the space for conversations about pluriversality in design. Many thanks as well to all of our interviewees, our Design Thinking student team, Ruby, Lupe, Delaney, Tran, and Wissal, the students of the Fall 2019 sci 3010 class, Levante Lucas, our editor, and the rest of the team at the Taylor Center at Tulane. If you have any suggestions for our program, please email your comments, suggestions, and questions to taylor at tulane.edu. And also, you can visit our website at taylor.tulane.edu.